the Lee Hecht Harrison podcast, a place where we'll be sharing insights and discussions about workforce transformation and what that means to you, the people of HR. I'm delighted to be joined on the phone from Zurich, Switzerland by Caroline Pfeiffer-Marino. Caroline is the Executive Vice President for Europe, Middle East and Africa for Lee Hecht Harrison and has spent the last 10 years in senior leadership roles working in multiple countries along the way. This experience makes Caroline the perfect person to join us to share her thoughts and experiences on the topic we're discussing today, women in leadership positions in the workplace. Hello, Caroline, and welcome to the LHH podcast. Hello, Kerry. Nice to be with you. So straight on to the first question. As we get nearer to the 105th International Women's Day, it's opportune to consider gender equality in the workplace, particularly at the most senior levels. Whilst progress has been made over the last 100 years, particularly since the 70s, it's clear that there is still a long way to go. There's actually been a decline in women in senior roles from 25% to 24% in recent years. And a quarter of global businesses still have no women in senior management. As a female and as a business leader, how does that make you feel? It, it makes me wonder, actually, why that is, and especially that so much is, is said and, and we talk so much around this topic, and yet we seem not to get it right and being heading in the right direction. So not sure how I feel, but it definitely triggers curiosity why we are where we are. There seems to be a real mismatch between the rhetoric around this issue and the reality. In our latest research, where we looked at elevating women in leadership, 58% believe advancing women is a business critical issue, but 76% of people are unsatisfied with their organisation's ability to elevate women into those leadership roles. Does that figure surprise you? No, it does not, because definitely we all agree it's important, but we lack on really good approaches to how we turn this game around. So it does not surprise me. Our work in this space has highlighted that there are three key factors that make the most difference for making real progress in this area. The individual behaviour of women, culture of the organisation and the organisation's practices. So let's start with the behaviour of women themselves. The five most distinguishing behaviours and beliefs in women who advance, according to our research, are advocating on their own behalf, networking with important stakeholders, exhibiting a high degree of confidence influencing upwards in the organisation and having a clear career path. Do any of these resonate particularly strongly with you? Yes, absolutely. I would say exhibit a high degree of confidence and having a clear career plan are the two that really resonate with me. On the first one around confidence, I think it's a learning for women that you will never be a good enough man, but you can be a great woman. And acknowledging this means that you will find your own way to demonstrate confidence. And often in the corporate environment, confidence is, is closely related to dominance, but these are very different elements, right? So you want to be confident, not necessarily dominant. So you need to find your own style to demonstrate this. So keeping femininity, I think is a, a very important piece around how you can make this with authenticity and genuinely show confidence. Under having a clear career plan, a career plan is not something you do in isolation. A career plan is part of your life. And oftentimes when 
when we think about ourselves as leaders, a career plan needs to embed how does this fit into your overall life plan? How does this matches or, or conflicts with your personal aspirations of having a family, of raising your kids? How do you combine this? And I, I always say that you have a, a good enough plan when you're happy with the downsides of it. Putting together a plan and being really proud and happy about the upside is easy, but being equally satisfied about the downside that we all have by making some decisions is key. And when you decide to step up into a leadership role, you will necessarily have to give up other elements of your life. And how do you bridge this gap? How do you involve your family in this is critical. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen any instances where women displaying some of the behaviours that we've just talked about have been marked out negatively as a result? Most likely, yes. And back to the confidence, right? I have a strong opinion on, on how we can demonstrate confidence and how can we be great leaders without losing, I'm not sure if femininity is the right word in English, but yeah. So so how can you be a a confident leader, a great leader and produce great results without uh, losing femininity, which is hard in a corporate environment, right? Traditionally, the corporate environment is a very male and, and dominant environment. And we think that this is the only way to achieve results. And I think as as a woman, one of my challenges is how can I produce results in a different manner, not in the corporate stereotype. And how have you managed to do that? What kind of success or or tips can you share with with others? It's a daily exercise to stay true to yourself and to your belief that you can do this differently and yet come to again, to great results, right? So I think the tip here is really not to fall into patterns that are not truly yours. And it's a hard exercise, by the way, because we tend to uh, to mirror and repeat behaviors that are shown around us, right? We incorporate them without even perceiving this. So really challenge yourself on a daily basis. I, am I staying true to, to myself and to my strengths that will ultimately produce results for my role? We also know that organisational culture makes a big difference too. We know that leaders shape culture. So as part of the research we did recently, we asked the known leaders in their organisations who champion women into leadership roles what they did differently. We explored 10 behaviours in particular and for all 10 behaviours, the champion leaders were on average twice as likely to demonstrate the behaviours to a very high degree compared to the other people managers. And the top two things that they did that made the biggest difference were providing coaching and feedback that included better understanding of business goals and metrics and supporting flexibility to manage the work schedules or where the work was actually done. Have you personally experienced this? Uh, Yes, and I would say these are two challenges for every leader, not leading women only, but leading any person in general, right? I mean, providing coaching and feedback is a topic that is a general gap. uh, And we see this in our services, right? I mean, often clients come to us exactly with that request. How do I improve the coaching and feedback capabilities of my leaders? So this is definitely a skill that we need to develop more and more every day in all our organizations our own organization and the, the the ones we serve around the supporting flexibility to manage work schedules or location of work 
it's a really tough one, right? And and we discuss this a lot in our organization. How can we create flexibility and yet create a culture? Because for you to to build a culture even of flexibility, people need to to work with each other. They need to experience each other. And in times where virtual is a big part of, of our workload, it gets more difficult to create a culture, right? So it, it's a challenge. I, I understand it's important to provide flexibility. I need flexibility for my own in my work. And how do you manage to, to get the balance right around flexibility? work location, as well as having the team experience them, uh, each other uh, on an individual basis. I appreciate very much the flexibility I have today. And I think in the working space, we, we learned in the past few years that providing flexibility does not mean that someone will work or produce less, but rather in a different manner. And, and sometimes there are even very practical constraints to this, right? Like legal uh, requirements around how you measure hours that someone is working, right? So you have to measure this in a very rigid way. And, and then how on the practical level you provide flexibility as well as location. In many of the countries I manage, giving people the flexibility for work location is just not possible from a legal requirement perspective, although we would love to do so. And do you see the differences between um, men and women leaders in terms of how they ask for either the coaching or the flexibility in terms of their work schedules? Oh, yes. I would say that uh, it's funny, right? Uh, the other day I was talking to a senior uh, HR lead and, and we were just acknowledging that whenever a woman says, well, uh, I will come later in today because I will take my son to the doctor, that there is this immediate reaction of, oh, this person is not necessarily committed and everything else comes before work. And when a man says the same thing, our reaction, and even as a woman, by the way, it's not it's not that men judge like this. We all have this, this immediate reaction of, oh, he's a great father. Um, so, and, and again, right, I'm not saying that women or men react the one or the other way. Humans, we as a society react like this to the same behavior coming from men and women. Um, How do you respond when you, when you hear those kind of messages coming back to you? Maybe the, the more important question, how do I react when I react like this, right? Because yeah. I fall into the same <laughs> trap, right? Uh, and I think we need to be vigilant on are we judging with the same measures, different people, right? And, and how do we act individually? Because I also do this. I fall exactly into the same trap. So uh, it's really staying vigilant on what is this person really contributing to what we do and trying to separate my own judgment and what is the neutral fact. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know businesses don't operate in isolation and there's been so much coverage of and awareness of gender issues more broadly recently. Me Too in particular has really put the spotlight on, on the whole gender issue. And there's been some pushback as a result of this scrutiny. For example, it's now been highlighted that men are, not all men, I should say, but some men are now less willing to mentor, sponsor, socialise and even travel with women due to the fear of anything perhaps being insinuated at a later date, uh, which is obviously detrimental to, to women and, and to men more broadly. How do you think this can be counteracted? I think this can be counteracted when we do respect each other, but also keep the flexibility and, and a casual relation 
with respect, right? Because one of the danger of movements like Me Too and, and, and similar ones is that we go to the other extreme where we cannot relax anymore. And this is something actually that scares me, where we become so rigid that we cannot have just casual conversations and have fun together or even make jokes, right? And just laugh with each other. So if, if we lose the capacity of being just humans, relating to each other, then it becomes a problem. So, and funny enough, I think the one or the other extreme is really bad. We should meet in the middle as humans. And and when it comes to socialize, I experience in my professional life that there are some occasions that I just don't enjoy. And it's not because uh, they are not appropriate, but it's just because they are not something that interests me. I mean, being invited to a cigar club is not is, <laughs> is not something that interests me. But maybe that's not because I'm a woman. It's just it's just I don't like cigars, yeah. maybe. So <laughs> so how do I create a, a space to socialize pleasant for everybody, right? Which, which is a challenge, by the way. It's not easy, but still. And maybe going for breakfast is something that is very neutral to everybody rather than going for a drink in the evening. And again, be vigilant about what are the environments where everybody feels okay. Have you personally ever felt discriminated against in the workplace for being a woman or come across additional barriers that you've had to face? Um, I need to be careful in, in how to answer, but no, I never felt discriminated. And yet there, there were circumstances where it was pointed out that I'm different. So now the question is, is this discrimination? I don't know. And since I was a child, right? I mean, let me give you a concrete example. In the 80s, I was a teenager and uh, we lived abroad in Germany. And this was back in the 80s, right? And, it's, uh, and someday we, we woke up and I went into a telephone booth. They existed uh, in that time. And uh, someone has written our telephone number in the booth. And on top of it, it said monkey house. So I'm a Brazilian, right? Literally from the jungle in the 80s to Germany. I felt absolutely offended by this. And when I got home and I told this to my father, he said, why are you feeling this way? And I said, well, because we are being discriminated. And then he, he reframed that to me and he said, no, actually not. Uh, people are acknowledging that we have the best parties in town. We are definitely <laughs> the monkey house. So when you ask, have you been discriminated, yes or no, some may say, yes, this is discrimination, and, and I would agree, and, uh, and others may reframe this and say, no, someone is actually recognizing that you're different, and this can be great. And I think this, this is a great learning for me, that uh, sometimes when someone points out that I'm different in some way, and it might be uh, being a female or my nationality or whatever characteristic in myself. I challenge myself to frame this up in a positive manner. And this is actually a positive exercise because being different can be great. Yeah. Just out of interest, who is it that's kind of noting that you're different? So in the working place, we all get into a pattern, right? And then suddenly we, we dress alike, we behave alike, and then people start to expect something from, from everybody in a certain culture and environment, which is absolutely fine. It's, it's a way to make it easier for us to navigate. But then when you break a pattern because of something, then people point this out. I mean, the fact of being a Brazilian female leader is not necessarily the pattern. Right. And, and I can use this to my advantage. Uh, I come from a culture where the stereotype is about uh, really doing great parties. So how can I use this to my advantage right? and not going into the negative perspective of this? Oh, you're unproductive because you're partying. 
yeah. no, actually, how how can I turn this around to my advantage? <laughs> yeah. When you see or hear of things getting in the way of women leaders, how how do you respond in the moment? Sometimes I just ignore them because if you put energy into this, you're giving this action more power than it deserves, right? And and again, there is a balance because you cannot uh, ignore and not counteract, right? But I think that, again, when, when you give energy to something that's not worthy, you make it more powerful. And when you put focus on what is relevant and this is how you perform or uh, why you're here for or what is the purpose of of a meeting or, or of a business, then you're putting the energy where, where, where it should be. Yeah. So you just choose your battles, I guess. Yeah, most likely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, men obviously play a huge part in ensuring gender equality and can also benefit from, from there being more equality too. What one specific thing could a man who is listening today do to make a difference, regardless of how senior he is in an organisation? I had the privilege to have great mentors and sponsors during my career. They were really fabulous. And most likely they have not picked me as a mentee because I was a woman, but rather because of my capacity. But still, if if you do a conscious effort in picking a woman and saying and mentoring and, and being open to to develop this person, you will do great for, for the statistic not to go backwards, but forward. Yeah. And in the same way, what one thing, if you could just pick one thing, I know there are numerous things, but that women themselves can do that would make a big difference, what would that be? Frame your context to your advantage. Yeah. Can you can you give us an example of that? Recently, I was in a business meeting and we were 11 men and me. <laughs> <laughs> and we had prepared this meeting to be a workshop. Hierarchical, I was the, the highest person in the room. And funny enough, I, I was not the one uh, assigned to facilitate the workshop and pick up flip chart and everything. But the meeting got out of track and we needed to bring it back. And no one that had the assigned role to do so was able or willing or for whatever reason was not doing. And then for one moment, I said, I will not stand up and pick up the pen and the flip chart. This is not my role. I will not diminish myself to this. Yeah. And then I said, why am I thinking this? This is so wrong because I'm actually capable of doing this. And I'm just making the wrong correlation that because I'm a female, I should not be putting myself into this position and I need to prove myself. So this is the wrong confidence I was talking about. But but the first second, this was my reaction. And I said, no, I'm doing the wrong correlation. I'm actually the only one capable right now to do this and put us back on track. And this has nothing to do with me being a female. And then I actually stood up and I took this position and we went through the meeting. When we came out, one colleague told me, oh, it's so good that uh, that you used your consultant skills. And I joked, right? And I said, well, it's it's actually not my consulting skills. I was the only female and I guess you expected me to do this. And I was really just joking around. And, and then the other colleague said, oh my God, I was so embarrassed. I noticed this. Oh, this was really bad. And I said, see, you did exactly the same correlation I did, but then I realized that I was wrong. It's not because I'm a female. It's because I was just able to do this. And I was the only one in the room able to build trust for people to open up and actively participate. And this has nothing to do with me being a woman. It, 
it just happened to be like this. So stop doing the correlation. Oh, because I'm a woman. No, it's not. It's it's just reality. Yeah. Frame it to your advantage. It's interesting. I had a, a piece of advice given to me once where I was in a meeting and it was a hot day. And so I saw there was, you know, a glass of water on the table. And so I started pouring everybody water. And afterwards, one of my managers said to me, you shouldn't do that. You're the only female in the room and you have put yourself into the position where you are actually giving out the water. Now, I was in my head. That wasn't the case at all. It was just it was a hot day. And I thought it was just a you know a nice, normal thing to do to, to offer people water. But it kind of stayed with me afterwards. And I'm always very conscious now about who's pouring the teas and coffees in the room. And it's just unnecessary time spent worrying about something that really shouldn't shouldn't be a worry. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to hear your your kind of approach to to that situation. Yeah, we shouldn't bother about these things, right? I still want my husband to be a gentleman and open the door for me. This does not diminish who I am. So what's the problem of serving water or a man opening the door or, you know, I mean, us to be gentle to each other, it's not something bad and that really put you in an unfavorable position. But we are tagging this like this, right? We need to be careful as humans. How do you think things will change in the next five years or even ten, I'm not sure ten, if, ten years if, it's, yeah, if it makes exactly. the question easier? <laughs> yeah. So I have small kids, right? And, and when, I, when I look at them, they are far more advanced than we are. <laughs> and everything related uh, to diversity and inclusion, I mean, for them, there is nothing to be included because it is already included, which is a complete different thinking, right? So I have a lot of hope for, for the next generation that is coming to the workplace. As for ours, I think we, we still need to make a concrete effort to get there and, and to think through practices in the workplace. I am a mother of three. And when I talk to female leaders, I always mention that I was promoted twice during maternity leave. This says something about how the world is changing, right? At the same time, I also know from experience that going on maternity leave uh, for four months, which was my case, makes you feel insecure, right? Will I have the place when I come back? And and ultimately, it is women that will give birth. I mean, there is no scenario well where this is changing. Right? <laughs> That's not going to change in the next five to yeah. ten years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how do we balance better the male and female role in parentship so that we give women equal opportunities? I think this is something very concrete that we should be thinking of. And some countries are more evolved. Some cultures are more evolved than others. But overall, uh, I think there is still a long way to go where parents have equal challenges and opportunities when they create a family. Do you think we will ever get to 50-50 in terms of men and women in senior leadership roles? The question is, do we need to? Well, yeah, do we need to? What's your, what do you think? I don't know. What we need is to have equal chances or possibilities or or not worry about barriers for the one or the others. But I'm not sure we, we need to, to be 50-50. Along the same lines, what's your view on quotas? I know some countries have them, some don't. What's your, what's your personal view on them? I'm not the expert, but people say that the forcing mechanism sometimes is necessary. Where I struggle with quotas is that you put a question mark 
to the ones that got there, whether they got there because of the quota or because yeah. of their merit. And and this is where I really struggle with quotas. The last thing I want is people to think that I'm where I am because of a quota and not because of my performance. Yeah. And 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 this is where I personally struggle with the quota. And maybe a specialist would would again tell me that the forcing mechanism is important. It's like in education, right? You cannot solve. Uh, and again, uh, uh, I come from Brazil, so so there are so many proposals on how to solve the education problem at the university stage. But it starts uh, when in kindergarten and primary school. You cannot solve. So in Brazil, actually, we implemented quotas for universities for minorities, but we are not solving the problem from the origin. And I think it's similar in the corporate environment when it comes for women in leadership. You need to go to the root and not to the end symptom of it. Yeah. Considering, say, all the initiatives, programs, the just general awareness and the spotlight that's on this that's on this issue right now. Are you hopeful that things will be significantly different and better for, for everyone? Or do you remain guarded? Oh, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm I'm an eternal optimist, <laughs> uh, which is different from being naive. <laughs> I, I, I do believe that, that humanity is slowly evolving, but always evolving. It's not always the perfect path, but definitely I, I, I am hopeful. The fact that we are discussing the topic is already positive, Yeah. right? And it's the first step to come to solutions and also creating awareness. And this is where, uh, back to the quotas, right? Forcing mechanisms may be good, creating awareness and, and intrinsic desire and belief to, to do something different is even better. And this goes through discussion and behaving differently and doing things mindfully. Yeah. So I think being hopefully is a good place to end. So let's hope that when we have this conversation again in 10 years time, when we're looking at the latest research on women in leadership, we'll look back and it will feel like a very different world. So it's funny, right? Because you're saying, uh, let's hope in, in 10 years time, we will be in a better place. I have two daughters and one son. One thing that concerns me actually today is that when I ask my daughters, they always tell me they can do whatever they want. They can do things that boys do. They can do things that girls do. They can do everything. Yeah. And then when I ask my boy, he's actually being narrowed down because he's only allowed to do things that boys do. He's not allowed to do the girl stuff. <laughs> so so may, maybe, uh, yes, we, we need to advance women in leadership, but this cannot come at a cost of man. Yeah. It needs to be good for both. Absolutely. And I think it's only say only by making things better for both that we'll make things better for one or the other. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thanks, Caroline, for, for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Lee Hecht Harrison podcast. If you want to find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.lhh.com. Produced by The Podcast Company.